welcome back to the What the Folk Sunderland preview show. It's been a bit of a slow start to the season for Sunderland and as the transfer window does close in, we're still not fully sure how the squad's going to look heading into the first half of the 23-24 season. So perhaps we could have been given a slightly easier task than high-flying Southampton at the stadium like a bizarrely timed kickoff. Um, we haven't actually played Southampton since 2017, so I have roped in someone I've met in real life, which is very unusual on the show. Um, Southampton reporter for the Daily Echo, an all-round good guy, George Reese julian George, uh, you're going to give us a lowdown on Southampton, but how are you, mate? You all right? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me on the podcast. It's not a problem. It's good to, good to meet you through the medium of Zoom rather than face-to-face. Everyone's yeah. going to be wondering now what the hell I'm talking about. I'm going to leave it to mystery, mate. going to leave it to mystery. Um, <laughs> I think, as I was saying before, it's been six years since we faced each other. I think it's 2017, February, when Sunderland were, unfortunately, managed by David Moyes at that point. But um, there's been a lot changed from Sunderland perspective and, of course, from a Southampton perspective, I think. The biggest change for Southampton in particular has been the division they're playing, first time since 2012. Relegation can, as we know, really harm a mood around a club. But And this is just from the outside looking in. Things seem kind of oddly positive for Southampton, but um, you'll know better than I am. How's the, the mood been since the summer and, and since that relegation going into this season? Yeah, I think Russell Martin's appointment, maybe when it first happened, fans weren't immediately super positive because I think if you looked at what he did at Swansea and even if you look at what he did at MK Dons before he came to Southampton he may have brought a good style of football that fans could kind of get behind but the ultimately the results at the end of the season weren't kind of where Southampton want to go Southampton fans expected to get back into the Premier League but if you look at his track record his last season at Swansea was his best one and he finished just outside the playoffs at a really bad slump and made the way through the season and it kind of relied on a good end of season to ultimately have quite a good season but saying that I think the football as I mentioned he's brought in he's got Southampton playing some really really good stuff and the results have been quite good although he has said that he's not really happy with the level of performances just yet the performances are starting to show I think it's 10 points from 12 games you couldn't really have too much a better of start than that unless you're Leicester really winning all four games so yeah I think the mood is is really positive and that's kind of fed into the atmosphere at St Mary's. It was really good on the weekend against QPR. And I think, yeah, on the whole, Saints fans, whilst still hoping maybe for those level of performances to increase, they are really happy. It's interesting you mentioned about Russell Martin because that is the big change. I think he's the, the third manager of this year. I think, you know, we all watch Premier League football now and again and we've seen the struggles that Southampton's had and, and we know what it can be like to change a manager when you're trying to sort of stay up against relegation. But Russell Martin's not someone we're completely unaware of. He was at MK Dons when we won League One and I did the show and then obviously went to Swansea and I remember Swansea fans, well, yeah, he's quite good. His football's decent, but, you know, the football at the back is not too great because sometimes make mistakes and stuff like that. But um, it sounds like he's had a positive start to it. But um, how how would you say the fans of you in his opening four weeks? Is he still reserving judgment a bit or is he kind of turning, the, turning those ones that weren't too sure on his appointment around already? I would definitely say the latter. I think the fans who maybe initially may have been a little bit put off by his appointment, as we said about the, his track record, I think they're starting to warm to him. But obviously, you have to remember it is four games. I think they'll finally make their decision on him after about 15 games. If Southampton is still in and around that top two places, they'll be really happy with him. But you've also got to remember the transfer window is not closed yet. And ultimately, even though he's not actually the person involved with the transfers necessarily, it's Jason Wilcox, the director of football, who's heading up the recruitment, if Saints end up losing a couple of key players and they don't bring those replacements in, unfortunately for Russell Martin, I think he may end up getting a little bit of the flack. 
even though it's not necessarily his decision who comes and goes. So I think we'll maybe have to wait a little bit longer to see how fans really have reacted to him. Quite interesting that you have the similar model to us with the kind of director of football almost bringing players in, and but it's still the results scores go back to the manager. It's it's a, it's a, it's very modern, but I think I'm getting a little bit too long in the tooth and a little bit too old um, because I'm starting to still think the manager makes these decisions and that just doesn't happen anymore, does it? You're right. Um, one of those players that obviously stands out and, you know, you've watched most of the games, I've seen sporadic parts of it, but Adam Armstrong seemed like a player that really struggled to score goals in the Premier League. I think he scored like two in the two seasons he was there. He cost big money from Blackburn. But at championship level, he just seems to know where the net is. Four goals in four. We spoke a little bit off air about him and I held back so I could get the full idea of what he's been like. But um, how well has he started the season? He's been incredible. The fact he's, as you said, come from the Premier League where he's not been very good, to be honest. He scored nowhere near the amount of goals that he would have expected and the fans would have expected considering they paid £15 million for him. But as you said, he's got four in four. But it's more than just the goals, really, because he's been a little bit lucky in some degree with the goals. His one against QPR on the weekend was a bit of a poor touch, but a really good finish after that. His first one of the season, you can hardly even put it down to him. It flicked off his head when Nathan Teller took a long shot and he's got the goal in his goals column. But like I said, beyond the goals, he's been incredible in terms of he's played loads of different positions. He started up front against Norwich then he got moved out to the left wing and then he finished the game in midfield and then he go to Plymouth a week later and he plays in midfield for 90 minutes and he almost bosses the game he's up and down the pitch he's winning the ball in the box he's going up the other end and he's having chances I think if you would have told Southampton fans 12 months ago that Adam Armstrong's going to be probably their favourite player so far this season and he's going to be playing in midfield and he's going to be doing really well they would have probably just looked at you with their jaw on the floor going, what are you on about, mate? You don't have any clue about football. But the way he's done it this season has been incredible. And I think it's very much down to Russell Martin. It's down to himself as well, being that confident player and being able to sort of bounce back and still believing in himself. But I think Russell Martin has found the best way to use Adam Armstrong. The other managers haven't been able to do that. But Russell Martin has found the way that he can unlock the Adam Armstrong that ultimately was the, re- was the reason that Saints wanted to sign him from Black Blackburn when he got what was it twenty eight goals or so, something like that. It was, I think, I think it was closing around thirty actually. Um, and it's funny because because you look at Adam Armstrong and to be honest, like I think he can score goals at this level. We've seen he can do that. But if you ask me to name strikers at Southampton that I thought would score a lot, you're looking at Che Adams, and obviously he's chipped in with a couple. Um, we will speak about another striker that has been linked to Southampton that may have something to do with Sunderland. But before we do. Um, Che Adams got a couple of goals. He was linked to Everton last time I read, and it was like 12, 30 million. And to be honest, I didn't realise he hadn't actually gone until he scored for Southampton. I think it was on the, the open day of the season. Is that settled down? Is that someone you expect to stay? Or is that still someone you're not entirely sure whether he'll be there come the end of the transfer window? It's still very up in the air, to be honest. He wasn't involved on the weekend against QPR. He's had a contract offered to him because his deal's up at the end of the season. He's not signed that contract yet, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's not going to sign that contract. But of speculation, I think he's potentially just kind of waiting to weigh up his options. He also wasn't involved on the weekend against QPR. Russell Martin said in his press conference after that game, he didn't think it was a fair enough decision to play Shea Adams with all that speculation around him. He didn't think that Shea would be in his best position to go out onto the pitch. He sort of felt that, from Russell Martin's observations, that he was maybe a little bit down, didn't have the same energy in training, which is kind of fair enough if you're being rumoured to link uh, linked with a 
Premier League club like Everton. But a couple of days left, I think Saints fans will be hoping that come the end of the transfer window, he's definitely still there. I think if he does go, there's obviously a person that, from my perspective, I would loathe for him to go. He hasn't played for us for the best part of a year because he's had a horrendous time with injuries. But I think Ross Stewart's been linked with a few different teams. He's obviously scored a lot of goals for us. He had a really good goals-to-games ratio last season. Unfortunately, he didn't get on the pitch as much as he would like. He's out of contract at the end of the season. Sunderland fans will know that the contract situation with that at the moment. He's been heavily linked to Southampton. I can understand why, because he's not just a big lanky centre forward. He, he would he would do a great job, I think, for most sides in the championship. But in your opinion, is, is that a deal that is likely to happen? Is he someone that you think would fit into Southampton's plans? Or do they seem relatively well stocked there with something like Chatham's needing to leave? Would that maybe move that forward? Or do you think it's just lazy speculation? I don't think he would come in or I don't think they'd necessarily go out and get a, a real big striker unless Shea Adams was to leave because you do have Adam Armstrong there who although he's played in all these other different positions he is ultimately still a striker and that's where he said he wants to play. You've also got Sekumara, a young player who's come in last season I believe and hasn't really hit the ground running but he looked much better against QPR but then you've also got Don Ballard who in the first two Premier League two games of the season got two hat-tricks and not to lump a load of pressure on him but he's someone who's really confident that he can kind of break into the first team squad come the end of the season. So I think they're quite well stocked in the forward positions if Shea Adams was to stay. If he was to leave, they would, of course, need to go out and sign someone. And Joel Perot is who a lot of Saints fans would have maybe penciled in as to be the replacement, but he's now gone to Leeds. Cameron Archer was someone who was rumoured very briefly because then he went to Sheffield United. So the striker options are kind of running out for Russell Martin and Jason Wilcox if Shea Adams was to leave. So I wouldn't necessarily write it off because I was talking to Alfie, my colleague, the other day about players who have scored goals in the championship or have scored goals in English football that can come in. And we were kind of looking at it and going, all the options are sort of running out. And if you're selling your best striker, you don't necessarily want to take a risk in the last week of the transfer window. So without having knowing anything, I wouldn't rule a transfer like that out because I think Saints are going to look for someone who's got that proven track record of scoring goals in the division. If Frost is listening, please don't go. Please just stay. Um, it's funny when you look at Southampton as well, because the big names have gone. Nathan Teller has obviously gone this week for 20 mil. And I know he hasn't really played that much for Southampton, but I think we've seen what he did at Burnley last season. We've seen it especially. Ward Prowse expected to go, but obviously a fantastic player at England International. Livramento has gone to that team up the road. Uh, Romeo Lavia has gone to Chelsea. Thea Walcott's retired. But I... You know, we've been in a situation where we've been relegated and it didn't work out for us. But for Southampton, it started better. I think he probably won more games than we did last time we got relegated to the championship, to be fair. Um, but there's a lot of young players coming through. You've also got like Derek Abus came in, Shea Charles has came in, a few more experienced names without being old players like Mason Holgate. Um, is there kind of like a renewed bit of optimism with Southampton's, Southampton fans as well that maybe some of the old guard have left and you've got these young players coming through the academy to look up to because... Essentially, Southampton's had a really good academy for like a number of years now. I think the, the, I wouldn't say there's renewed optimism. I think maybe because they've sort of continued the transfer strategy they had last season in the Premier League of bringing in those youngsters from Man City. But I think a lot of those youngsters from Man City, without Romeo Lavia, he showed that he was very much Premier League quality when he came in. But the likes of Sam Adozi and Gavin Bazunu are maybe more suited to the championship. And we've definitely seen that, especially with Sam Adozi on the weekend against QPR, getting his first goal in senior football as first goal for Saints. I think the optimism maybe comes from the fact that 
fans now know that those players are kind of at their level and they can continue to develop. And if the club do go back up to the Premier League, they'll be in a much better position to actually perform at that level. But then you also look at it from the other side of it as well, about the players coming through the academy. Sam Amayor, 17-year-old, just turned 17, started against QPR. You've also got Jaden Magoma, a left-back, who's played in the League Cup. They probably wouldn't have had those minutes early on in the season if the club was still in the Premier League. So if you look at it from that perspective, Southampton, a club who've developed so many players who've gone on to do great things in their career, being in the Championship allows them to sort of go back to that, which I think fans just love to see young players coming through their club, don't they? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's, if you can be self-sufficient, it's kind of the, the dream in many ways, especially probably at this level, if you used to be in a, a Premier League club. I look through Southampton's side, and I know I've touched on Che Adams, and I know I've touched on Adam Armstrong, and Adam Armstrong is the obvious standout player at the moment based on stats but there's a lot of players and a lot of names that Sunderland fans I'll be, I'll be honest don't really recognize from my perspective anyway which players are current that we haven't touched on already should I say sorry are currently like in form that you know could cause us damage on on the weekend well one that fans will probably remember from Stoke last season rather than remember him from being in a, a Southampton shirt would be Will Smallbone he was injured he did get injured against Norwich but He's been pictured back in training today. Russell Martin said last week that he expects him to potentially be back for the Sunderland game. That's obviously by ear. We don't necessarily know how quickly or if he's had a little knockback, but he's back in training, so he could be involved. But you've also got Flynn Downs in that midfield, and you've touched on Shea Charles as well. Those are kind of the three midfielders that, from a non-attacking perspective, fans are kind of looking at this season as being the, the metronomes in the midfield of passing. If you've ever watched Russell Martin's football before, you know that he loves his midfielders to have thousands of thousands of passes a season. I think Matt Grimes has topped 4,000 passes two seasons on the run. And if Will Smallbone is back after missing a couple of games, I think he's maybe going to be the key player. If he's not there, it'll be Flynn Downs who's the key player. He came on in the 25th minute for his debut against QPR and still managed to make 114 passes. He only misplaced one pass in the whole game. That is the dictionary definition of a Russell Martin midfielder and I don't know what Sunderland are like in terms of pressing and winning the ball back but I think they're going to have to do that against Flynn Downs or Will Smallbone whichever one of those two play they're going to have to press the life out of them to to get the ball back because it's only like four games into the season I know sometimes it takes a while for the style to, to fit but it feels like Russell Martin's style's immediately been implemented and immediately worked I know obviously you keep a close eye on Welsh football. People will notice the accent, of course. Um, and we've all watched Swansea last season. We went down to 10 men against Swansea really early on last year. And that was just a nightmare, to be honest, because they just kept the ball. But how close has Russell Martin's style of football been implemented already? Has he kind of almost got there really, really early? Or is there still little tweaks that you think will be coming in the weeks and, and months to come? I think there's still, of course, there's a way to go. He's not going to have a Southampton side playing the same way he had his Swansea side at the end of his two seasons there. There's there's going to be that adjustment period for some of the players. player like Lianco, who's just moved out to Qatar on loan this season, today, in fact, he's kind of someone who Russell Martin's kind of had that chance now to see if he's good enough. And he's probably gone, Do you know what, for a ball-playing centre-back, you're not quite what I want. So he's moved him on and they've brought in someone like Mason Holgate instead, who, from Russell Martin speaking, he said that Mason Holgate's favourite season of his career was when he was playing under a manager who allowed him to pass out of the back. So Russell Martin and Jason Wilcox and all the recruitment staff have been really, really smart in bringing in players that they know can come straight into the system. 
you don't have to look any further than Ryan Manning to to realise that someone who's played two seasons on the run with Russell Martin. He got 15 goal contributions last season, two assists on the weekend. He's kind of been that figure in the side who's been that carryover. He knows the detail. He hasn't needed to sit there and learn and learn and learn. He still does want to learn. I spoke to him a couple of weeks ago and he still says there's loads of things he needs to learn because it's an ever-evolving philosophy. But the players like someone like a Shea Charles coming in from Manchester City where they have a lot of the ball in youth team football, don't they? They dominate the ball. So he can come into a championship side where if he was to come into a team that has 30% possession, he may find it a little bit more difficult because it's kind of an adjustment for him. But in terms of how quickly they've been able to do it, the quality of players is really good. They've got Premier League quality players. They're probably going to be quicker to implement that possession-based style with. But on top of that, they've been really smart with the recruitment and bringing players in who fit the system and they don't have to have those teething problems as much as maybe if they found players who don't necessarily fit the system. And I think it, it has been a generally positive start for Southampton. Like we said before, three wins from four, the other one being a draw. But if I'm looking at perspective of, of Sunderland and thinking, can we, you know, I 100% think we can give anyone a game at this level as obvious issues, which I'll save for the review show because we've been talking about the same thing for weeks. Um, but one thing that's really noticeable if I'm looking for ways we could maybe damage Southampton is the fact that, yes, you've scored a lot of goals, but also conceded a fair few, four down at Norwich. Um, what is that kind of, I don't want to say a leaky defence because it's, it's 10 goals, I think, in four games, which is quite a lot for a team like Southampton, but... What has that been down to, um, sort of the, the defence leaking as many goals as to have early doors? Well, if you were to ask Russell Martin, he'd say it's con- concentration. Because if you look at a lot of those goals, they have come within less than five minutes of actually taking the leading games. I think the goal against QPR on the weekend, QPR went down the other end and scored two minutes later. Norwich did that twice, I think, in the game before that at St Mary's. Plymouth did it in three minutes after Saints had taken the lead. The concentration after goals has has been a problem, but it's been something that Russell Martin has been quite open in saying it's nothing tactical. It's not like they're not doing what he wants them to do because they're not conceding loads of goals away from that, really. They kind of only conceded the goals just after they've scored. So hopefully Saints fans and Russell Martin will be hoping that that's kind of something that they can switch the mentality to be able to, right, we've scored, now let's concentrate on holding on for five minutes. And after Adam Armstrong scored to put them in the lead against QPR, that concentration was much better. QPR didn't necessarily go down the other end and have loads of chances. They were kind of a bit stronger. So having done that now three, four, five times, you'd hope the players with each time they do it, they kind of realise, right, this is a problem. We need to be a bit more mentally switched on. And we'll have to see against Sunderland. If Saints take the lead, I think Sunderland fans should be thinking, right, the next five minutes is potentially when we're going to score going off the track record so far this season. Fingers crossed you don't, but nonetheless, if you do, hopefully we, yeah, we do hit back quite fast. But this seems like a really strange question because I think everyone from the outside um, looking in at the championship, if you're Leicester or Southampton, you're saying, well, Southampton, Leicester, automatic promotion favourites, especially Leicester. Um, the players they brought in are just, for this level, ridiculous, really. But Southampton are up there as well and parachute payments and so on and so forth. I don't need to go too far into it, but every fan base has their own opinion. And I know that, every Southampton fan will have their own thoughts and their their own predictions. But is the general consensus within the Southampton fan base that Southampton do need to go straight back up this year, be that automatics or, or playoffs and anything else would be a little bit of a disaster? Or is there a bit more patience in that? I wouldn't go as far to say it's a disaster, but Russell Martin has been really clear that he wants to take Southampton back to the Premier League. And even though they've sold a lot of players and they have made quite a lot of money, not all of it's come in at once. We know the nature of transfers these days. There's a lot of instalments. 
But if you're selling all of those players, you kind of want to sell them and then reinvest that money to be able to get back up. If they're bringing in the likes of Flynn Downs and Ryan Fraser and Mason Holgate, all Premier League loan players, they are players who are definitely good enough to play in the Premier League. You'd be hoping at the end of the season, if they've come in and helped you for a season, that you're then going to be in the Premier League next season. So I think Saints fans would probably see it as a bit of a failure if they didn't go up. And I think Russell Martin would definitely see it as a failure if they didn't go up. But saying that, we don't know what's going to happen in the season. Southampton could be really unlucky in a month or two time and have about 15 different injuries in the squad. And then your whole season perspective changes. I don't want to jinx that. Touch wood, that doesn't happen. But you never know what happens in the championship. You could lose four or five players in a consecutive space of four or five games because the fixtures just simply come that quick, don't they? And I think Southampton, with those departures that we've spoken about, do maybe need to bring in a couple of squad players in those positions because ultimately you never know what's going to happen. Completely forgot Ryan Fraser signed for you lot. That'll be interesting on Saturday. Um, hope you get a nice warm welcome, if, we know what we, if you know what I mean. Um, it has been a, a tricky start the season, though, for Southampton in many ways. Like, look, Plymouth is not an easy game. Um, obviously, very close. They've just been promoted. The last thing you want to do is play a promoted team um, away from home, early doors. Got a win outside, uh, went out with that. Norwich at home. Norwich didn't pull up any trees last season, but they are a good side uh, on the day. That obviously came back 4-4. Um, but looking at the fixtures, and I'm biased, so I'm aware of this, but Sunderland away looks like one of the more tougher fixtures of those opening five games. How are Southampton fans viewing that game? Obviously, we're in the playoffs last year. We haven't had the perfect start, but is Sunderland away seen as one of the, the tougher fixtures at the start of the season for Southampton fans? Well, I can remember before the season got underway, a lot of fans were looking at the first six or seven games of the season and thinking, do you know what, that is a really, really tough start to the championship season. And now that they're on 10 points after those 12 games, maybe the perspective will have changed because you look at Sunderland and they're down in 18th with four points. Fans might look at that and go, oh, OK, we thought they were quite good last season. Maybe they're not quite as good this year. So without knowing what every single Southampton fan's thinking, maybe they will look at that and think, OK, maybe it's going to be a little bit easier. But as Russell Martin, as Ryan Manning, as basically every person I've spoken to at Southampton this, this season has said, there's no easy games in the championship. A lot of fans maybe would have looked at that Plymouth game and thought they've just been promoted. They might be quite an easy, winnable game. Even the QPR game, a lot of fans saw that as the game that we need to go out and we need to maybe score a couple of goals, keep a clean sheet because they lost 4-0 to Watford on the opening day of the season. But even they proved that no game in the championship is easy. So I think if there is any Saints fans who are going into the game against Sunderland thinking, on this is an easy three points then maybe they need to kind of remind themselves that they're in the championship and it doesn't really work that way does it it's the only league in the world i know that you can lose four nil against a team bottom of the league and beat the team top of the league four nil a week later and it just seems normal um i remember that horrendous Sunderland championship season derby in the playoffs we couldn't get a win for love and the money we went away i think it was easter friday live on sky one four one and a few days later got beat three one off chef wed who we thought that might have been the start of a great escape in the championship. As Netflix showed, it wasn't. It was very much not a great escape. Um, we haven't had the perfect start. There's reasons behind it. Uh, we don't have a striker, so on and so forth. But there's still a lot of players within that team that obviously have, I think, hit the headlines over the past couple, like the past year or so, because of the, the kind of really good, um, the really good season we had last season. But from the outside looking in, obviously you've came from Premier League, so I know you wouldn't have been watching the Championship massively as maybe as much as I was last season or we were. But which players have impressed you most when you, you have seen something and which players could potentially cause Southampton some problems? 
I mean, Jack Clark is someone who's a really good championship winger, isn't he? He could probably count himself a little bit lucky in his career because he was really good at Leeds, then went to, to Spurs, didn't really happen for him. And now he's kind of had to come back down to the championship and almost restart his career with Sunderland. But he's a player who's probably got a, a quite a high ceiling and he'll be wanting to show that this season. But a player who maybe for the start of the season, I wouldn't have been thinking it's going to be Sunderland's talisman is Joe Bellingham. Obviously, his brother's a big name player. He's just gone to Real Madrid. There's a lot of pressure on him, but I'm going to be really intrigued to see what he's like because he's had a lot of things said about him and people have said that you should go to Liverpool because that's where his brother supposedly wants to go and he should go to Dortmund. But they're totally different players, aren't they? And I'd be, I'd be intrigued to kind of see that because a lot of fans who, Southampton fans, are probably never going to have really seen him play. And I haven't even really seen him play. So I'm going to be quite intrigued to see how he does compare, not to his brother. I don't want to hold him to that same standard, but he is kind of someone who, unfortunately, because of the nature of his name and the nature of who his brother is, kind of has that difficult balancing act of being his own player, but also having the same surname as who is now a world-class player who's a couple of years older than him. So I'm going to be really intrigued to see how he sort of gets on and what is quite different about him because the media for quite a long time were kind of almost pointing them as, as being the same player, but they're really not, are they? No, he's far better than his brother. Much better. Um, I'm sure Real Madrid fans will agree. You'll be hoping that, that yeah. <laughs> Fingers crossed. It would be a bargain for three million if he's even a quarter of the player. But um, look, I, I think it's a really, really tough game um, on Saturday. And I think, you know, look, we, we do need to win. Uh, we beat Rotherham at home. We've got a draw currently. They're, they're fine. But, you know, a defeat means it's four points in, in the first five games. And based on last season, that's probably not perfect. But it's a really tough game. And, you know, the... Losing 8-1 to Southampton is still weirdly fresh in their memory. I don't think I'll ever forget that. But um, I actually weirdly fancy us to pull off a 1-1 a draw. I think, you know, the crowd will be up for an early kickoff. And yeah, I think it's more my heart saying this than my head. But I'm going to take this for a 1-1. But, but George, I'm going to throw this back at you and get your idea of uh, what your predictions are going to be this coming Saturday. Well, before I get into the prediction, I just want to say it's mental that this game's at half past 12 in it. How can awful. they, how on earth can they put a game that's almost one of the most southern clubs against, are they the most northern club? I don't know my English geography very well. Yeah, but... probably, mate. I mean, the annoying thing is we we earmarked this one, obviously I think people will know I'm part of the uh, the Scotland supporters branch and we earmarked this one straight away and we all booked our train, we're ready to book the train tickets, ready to go. And then someone, do you think they'll change that? And we went, no, they'll never change that. So that a long old journey. Lo and behold, but um, I imagine Southampton fans aren't necessarily that happy with that either. No, uh, well, a lot of them are going to have to go up the day before the game, and then because unfortunately, I'm not even going to be able to go to the game because of the nature of the fact it's transfer deadline day the day before that as well. So it's a really hectic day, and then to travel all the way up to Sunderland to do deadline day, it's just impossible for both me and Alfie to do it. So I'll be watching on from home, and I'll be kind of hoping that Saints can get a a two one win is what I'm going to go for. I think. You can't really predict a, a massive, massive victory because there's still a lot of stuff going on off the pitch. Transfer window will be shut by then and we don't necessarily know how Southampton are going to look. Russell Martin still says he wants to bring in a couple of players. Even if he does bring those players in, you wouldn't think they're going to be ready for that game. So I'm going to go for a 2-1 win. I think when you look at like the nature of the transfer window, I always forget the transfer window is open to like that September time and doing these preview shows and you're doing these podcasts and nine times out of 10, there's about four or five players have left by the time you've done the podcast, the whole lineup's changed. So it could be any score, but I'm going to go with one, one. I've had one prediction right this year, which is normally my standard for the entire season. So I'm already ahead of myself, but um, 
George, obviously, you're relatively new to the role, but we met, um, just to let the secret kind of out, we met at the Emirates and the, the Women's Champions League semi-finals out right next to each other. Great to see you doing so well. And I always find it really, really interesting um, reading kind of the opposition viewpoint from the, the local journalists or the local fans or the local podcast. So where is it that we can find your work? Obviously, if people want to read the Southampton perspective on, on you know, what hopefully for, our, for us will be a Sunderland win. Yeah, so if you want to get on my social media, my Twitter handle is at Reese underscore Julian. That's R-E-E-S underscore Julian. But then if you want to read any of the sort of Saint stuff we've been doing this season, the Daily Echo is, is where you want to go for that. We've got quite a lot of, quite a variety of stuff, sort of the features, the interviews, and then hopefully for us, a match report saying that Saints will have beaten Sunderland on Saturday. Fingers crossed you don't. Um, <laughs> but George, good catching up. Um, yes, lovely. So well, and, and thanks for popping on. Cheers, Graham.